And my sense is that about a third to 40% of people who think they know their Enneagram type don't quite have it right. Hi there. Welcome to the Connecting KC podcast. I'm Rachel Kilmer, also known as Rach the Realtor on the internet, where I love, well, connecting all things KC. I'm a metro area real estate agent, retired sports reporter, and mom, and probably too old to call myself a TikToker, but honestly, that's how we got here. You can learn more at www.rachetherealtorkc.com. But this show is all about introducing you to all of the movers and shakers, interesting people, heartfelt stories, and funny quirks that make this vibrant community home. So let's get right to it with today's episode of Connecting KC. Welcome to today's episode of Connecting Kansas City. It is a topic that I am utterly fascinated with, so I am so excited to dive in and welcome Jim Gum to the show. Jim is an Enneagram teacher, trainer, and coach based in the Metro. The Enneagram is a system of personality that describes nine distinct ways of thinking, feeling, and acting. Since his introduction to the Enneagram in 1991, he has been passionately committed to sharing it as a tool to assist groups, couples, and individuals to write a whole new story, one of greater awareness and compassion. Jim offers team-building workshops and ongoing training for workplaces, as well as executive and personal coaching packages for individuals and couples. He launched the Story Enneagram podcast in 2022, and you can learn about his work at www.storyenneagram.com. Jim, thank you for being here today. Absolutely. It's good to be with you. So for the people listening that don't know what the heck the Enneagram is, you kind of touched on it in your bio, but high level, explain what is this forward? Yeah. So most people are familiar with personality assessments and probably the most common ones that people get exposed to would be the Myers-Briggs type indicator or the DISC indicator. And all they are is they describe patterns of behavior. That's, you know, predictable patterns of behavior. And the idea is very simple that we tend to live a patterned life and we tend to do things and react and think in certain pattern ways. Well, the Enneagram is a distinct, nine distinct patterns that Ennea means nine, uh, nine distinct patterns of thinking, feeling, and acting. And uh, some very, very smart people have kind of collected these thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And how does one become an Enneagram professional? So you're introduced to it in 1991. What was your journey to getting where you are today? So I would have been a uh, armchair Enneagram enthusiast. But I started my formal education about 10 years ago and... Uh, proceeded to get a certification in teaching from the Narrative Enneagram, which is the oldest Enneagram school that's based in the Bay Area. And then a few years later, working with some of those mentors, I uh, got a, an additional certification with uh, the Chestnut Pais Enneagram Academy. Beatrice Chestnut, who's the author of The Complete Enneagram, was my mentor in the narrative tradition. So I had the I just kind of kept following her, whatever, her school, her uh, teaching. Sure. Yeah. So that's how I did it, you know, and, and the education was really good. I, I knew a lot, but I, you know, 
disciplining yourself to really, especially learn the types that you don't know as well. I think that rounded out my understanding of the Enneagram. For sure. Uh, so on my real estate team, we have a lot of different age ranges. And so me and my peer, that's the closest in age to me, talk in shorthand with Enneagram like, oh, well, I, I acted that way in this inter interaction because I'm a three or like, I know that that bothered you more than me because you're an eight. Like it is just part of our conversation every day. But our older teammates looked at us like we were absolutely crazy when we first started talking about the Enneagram like that. Like it's like, this is, I'm a three the way that my middle name is Lee. You know, like it's just such a fact for me. Um, but then one of them attended one of your classes at a church here in Kansas City. And she was like, I get it now. She was like, I understand what you're saying. And I'm totally know my type now. How have you experienced people going from this is really weird? Why is it so culty around the Enneagram to like, wow, this is actually a really helpful tool to use in my day-to-day -day life? Yeah. Well, this is, you know, in 32 years, I've seen a massive change, you know? So I used, for about 20 years, I told people about the Enneagram and, and I was the, their entry point. And I learned it in a, a spiritual direction setting. So it was, it was a tool for growth and kind of went to workshops and stuff like that. After 2015, when the Enneagram became popular, it, people began to be a little bit more polarized about it. And uh, I never assume that someone likes the Enneagram. I, I don't assume that somebody, because I, ma I made that mistake a few times and I'd, I'd be talking about the Enneagram or something and the, a friend would say, I hate the Enneagram. So I, here's what I think is happening right now. Um, the Enneagram has tipped over in the popular culture after the release of the book, The Road Back to You. Um, and that was the first book that was published by InterVarsity Press and kind of opened up a whole, a whole segment of population that was interested in it. The mistakes I hear people making, though, with that is, how, uh, do you know about the Enneagram? They go, well, I've taken the test. That's probably the most common thing. And there is no the test. Myers-Briggs is a test. and uh, But at the Enneagram, there's no definitive test, number one. Number two, it's a little bit more nuanced than most people see. And I meet a lot of people who somebody goes, oh my gosh, that's you're just totally this type. You know, you're totally a seven. I see it all. And, they, and somebody gets that label and then they wear it for a long time. And my sense is that about a third to 40% of people who think they know their Enneagram type don't quite have it right. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity for me, but I think it's, uh, my specialty is I, I deal with subtype information, which is really nuanced. Number one, number two, there's a whole bunch of lookalike types. And because of that, and without, most people don't know a way to parse those out. I, I feel like people probably aren't getting the most about. There's, there's other people that are just harder to type or they don't manifest or they might be just really healthy people, you know? And it just doesn't resonate as much, you know? So, um, yeah. So that, I what I try to do is I try to make sure we, we get you to the right place and then 
it's your decision. You get to you get to decide your type. I don't get to decide it. You know, so that's kind of what I. I know it's a big no-no to like not point at someone and be like, "Oh, you're a whatever," but it's so yeah. hard not to. It's it's uh it's annoying, especially if that person doesn't know anything about the enneagram. And uh, I worked with a gentleman for years, and he was at a church event, and there was a a concert, and somebody from the band was really into the enneagram, and they told him, "Oh, you're helping load up my van, therefore you must be a two. And, you know, he held on to that for several years. And it's like, yeah, that means that everyone who ever helps somebody is a two. Like, you know, it just doesn't make any sense at all. So, um, but we took a couple years of trying to make sense of what he was. And when he finally found it, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it all makes sense. And that's, I love to see that for people. But what the anything really is about is about motivation. Why do I do what I do? That's what makes it really different. Not, I think a lot of uh, assessments are, they just name your habits and your behaviors. But the why is what makes the Enneagram so fascinating. Absolutely. So I grew up in a, a church and a religious background, and I can't remember where I read this, but that a lot of Christian women think they're twos at first, which I did for, I did, have spent a couple of years thinking I was a two because I think it's like, you're so cultured as a woman in America in general, especially a Christian woman to serve others all the time, be serving others. And there, so, there's several things that play into that. Number one, yeah. uh, there's a teaching it's better to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. Number two, the two is the female archetype. Interesting. Number three, the eight is the male archetype. Huh, I did not uh, know that. So if you are a male two or a female eight, you know, you're, you're kind of like an different than the other twos and the other eights. Huh. The other thing that I think happens is uh, in women's lives, often there's seasonalities where they're into career and they're into caretaking and anyone who has young children and they're the primary caretaker is going to feel like a two mm -hmm. or, you know, that you're just serving and you're selflessly and sacrificially serving, you know, your toddler at three didn't go, man, mom, I really appreciate the way you made my lunch today, how nutritious it was. You know, you know, they just don't do that. It's, it's a lot of giving without a lot of uh, goodies in return. Mm -hmm. So interesting. So what is the religious type with this? Because it does, I first heard of it through the church and I know that some of your speaking takes place at, at you know, communities of faith. What, where does it intersect with religion and where does it separate from religion? Yeah. Um, I think it's a perfect uh, framework that is spiritual and psychological. And if I know my environment where I'm teaching it, I'll, I'll lean which way it's appropriate. But uh, this is what I think is really important to know is um, in the third and fourth century, there was a group of people called the Desert Fathers and Mothers. And they retreated to the desert to uh, devote themselves to uh, God and his word. Okay. There was a gentleman there um, by the name of Evagrius Ponticus. And we know about him because he wrote, he could write. And he looked at these different 
desert fathers and mothers, and he saw they had these uh, these thoughts that kind of got in the way of their devotion to God. He wrote a book that was entitled Talking Back, and it's based on the gospel account where uh, Jesus is out in the desert, he's tempted, and uh, the first temptation is he's hungry, and he says, hey, if you were the son of God, you could turn these stones into bread. And then Jesus replies, man does not live by bread alone. And so that talking back was the idea of this book. And so he, these eight thoughts that he had were like uh, lust or gluttony or uh, greed and how you could use sections of scripture to talk back to those thoughts. That's in the third or fourth century. Those eight thoughts kind of moved from the Greek world into the Latin world. And then in the late 500s, the Pope kind of codified them and they became the seven deadly sins. The Enneagram symbol has the seven deadly sins placed around it, plus two more. And the two additional sins are vanity and fear. And so it has the spiritual root to it and, and the idea of overcoming these things to go from a vice to a virtue, uh, like from pride to humility, um, is just part of the nature of what's embedded in the Enneagram is the spiritual sense. And secondly, learning your type, I say with my company, it's just the beginning. Learning your type is really learning your defensive strategy or your adaptive behavior, it's actually very limiting and you should not double down on it. <laughs> you should begin to free yourself up from it and observe it and don't use it all the time, basically, because that's what we tend to do. We, we tend to behave in very predictable patterns around our type. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you, um, you and the Enneagram community as a whole think that someone's type can change? Like, are you born with your type or does it change based on life circumstances? Then you can't answer the nature nurture question fully. My belief is this, is that your type is kind of baked in to who you are. And I have four children. I have four boys and they have a affect at a very young age, they're, they're kind of a type almost. And, you know, the nature nurture thing, same two parents, four different types of kids, you know, and I, you think you're treating them the same. Does your Enneagram type change? I don't think it really does. What I do think is one of two things. It's sometimes hard to parse out what your type is and you might, live for a long time thinking you were one type and you're really another. That's very common. There's kind of like the, oh my gosh, you know, this is how this plays out. And I see that happening a lot. And secondly, the ultimate goal of the Enneagram type is to dissociate or transcend it. And I always tell people, like, if you say um, you're a three, did you identify as a three? Yeah, three wing two. You, yep. Okay. 
So when you identify as a three, what that means is you're probably better than anyone else at getting from point A to point B, at moving a project along, of seeing to completion. I mean, efficient. Can you know somebody goes, I don't know how we're going to do this. You go, well, you do this, 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 this. You know, it's just as baked into who you are. That is a wonderful talent and skill. And it's necessary about one ninth of my interactions. Do I need that skill? About one ninth of the time, do I need to really put that in? If I do that all the time with everything, it's really unpleasant for others. It's like, hey, you know, couldn't we just like have fun? Or hey, couldn't we make sure everybody else is doing fine here? Or hey, couldn't we slow it down and maybe make sure we're making the best idea here? You know what I mean? And so kind of the work of the Enneagram is uh, I don't want to act out my type in its purest personality form because that is so limiting. And so does my type change? I think eventually, like some of my teachers, I can't tell what type they are. They've kind of transcended it unless they tell me. And I actually had one person think that uh, I was a completely different type. He goes, I, do, I don't really think you're your type. And it's like, no, no, I know I am. And he goes, no, you're just, you're just like this. And it's like, yeah, you don't know what's going on inside. I, I might not be manifesting that. So that's my personal belief is that um, a lot of times people don't have their type right to start with. That's probably really common. And then secondly, the goal is not to play your type out, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. How are you seeing the reception of this in Kansas City specifically? You know, we are a very Midwest culture, and I feel like it takes us a few years to adapt to things that happen on the coast first. Is it, are you, are you received very well everywhere you go here? Is there a lot of demand for you speaking about this? What What is that area like? Mm, I, you know, there's a lot more openness to the Enneagram and in business and in churches. And it's growing. I know that in maybe 2017 or 18, uh, Google searches for the Enneagram outpaced searches for the Myers-Briggs type indicator. So it it's common uh, that, you know, right now when I talk to people about the Enneagram, the majority of people have heard about it. Ten years ago, it was the minority for sure. So there's an openness to it. Um, I do think what what uh, teaching of the Enneagram or the quality of the presentation shapes a little bit of their um, uh, feeling or an openness about the Enneagram. And I here's my my thing. Like I go into businesses and I do team building type stuff all the time. People often will ask me, uh, so what's your type? They'll just ask me right off. You know, I, I barely know them. They go, oh, you do the Enneagram? What's your type? They'll ask me that immediately. And I am a little, I don't tell people right away or I, I'll ask them if they're safe. And the reason is, is if I tell you my type, you will know all my strengths and all my weaknesses. And I find that people who don't handle the Enneagram carefully make fun of other types. And it's mean. It's actually mean-spirited. And a lot of the, you know, a lot of people learn about the Enneagram through 
Instagram and they're funny and stuff, but it's, it's making fun of. And so if I go into a workplace thing, I have to create ground rules and just say, Hey, we, we never make light of someone's weaknesses. You know, that is uncool. And that is the reason why people don't like the Enneagram sometimes, or they're, you know, some types don't want to look at their weaknesses at all, or don't think they have them. And subtypes spend way too much time thinking about their weaknesses. So uh, I, for me, it's all about um, that, you know, it's about self-awareness and compassion. Every type is carrying a burden that they don't even not quite know what they're carrying. That is, you know, what is this motivation that I got to get something done? What is underneath that? Well, it's a pretty fragile thing. And that's true for all nine types. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I find it very helpful for like that, that exactly digging down deep and being like, okay, well, I'm feeling this way in my gut, but why does my gut feel that way? And fi I find it helpful to use kind of almost in, in therapy. My therapist prefers Myers-Briggs, but do you see like the, the therapist community, how do they typically react to Enneagram? And like, is it kind of like half love it and half hate it just like in the greater population or what have you experienced with that? Well, and I taught a continuing ed class this summer and I'm planning to continue to do that for the therapeutic community. What I believe is that most of them are exposed to assessments, but have very little teaching and exposure to the Enneagram. However, in the last, I'd say since 2015, what a therapist finds is somebody comes in, they go, well, you know, I'm a three. And they might as well say, well, you know, I'm from Mars and, you know, it just doesn't mean anything to them. And so I, you know, my mentor, Beatrice Chestnut was a therapist. She goes, it's, it's such a great shortcut and not to short change that client. But if I know your type, I know your growth path. I know what's underneath it. And that's where it's real. It's not just your behavior. It's like this motivational thing and kind of what is the false belief and the, and the, uh, controlling, uh, emotion, you know, anger, fear, sadness that is running the show. And, uh, I, so I work with a lot of couples and all my work happened accidentally. I teach a class and then somebody goes, will you meet with me or would you meet with us or would you come to my business? That's how all my work started. It's like, I, I guess, I don't know. And a, a couple will call me or usually a, a woman will call me and said, hey, I'm thinking about, um, I would like to explore coaching the Enneagram. And they want to get their spouse involved. And I, I consider Enneagram coaching as a gateway drug to therapy for a guy. You know, it's, it's, Hey, I'm, I'm getting coached. I'm not in therapy. And if I, I'll ask somebody, I go, well, do you have any idea what your type and your, your partner's type might be? And they'll say, well, I think we're this and this. I go, so is this happening? And I'll describe a couple scenarios. And it's just like, how do you know what's happening? I go, it's just, we have patterns. And the sooner that we can, number one, recognize our own patterns and then secondly, depersonalize them, you know, like, Hey, he's, he's not doing that to annoy you. <laughs> he's doing it unconsciously and you're doing your own thing unconsciously. 
and if you could just see it as that, it's it's something. It's not him or it's not her. It's this, you know, the Enneagram is really about these internal drives and motivations that we don't fully own or consciously aware of, but they're strong. They're really strong. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, three more uh, thrust. <laughs> three more questions for you. Um, do do the Myers Briggs types correspond with the Enneagram? Yeah. Every time I hear a um, a system, I you know you can obviously make some correlations. Uh, there have been people, and there are books where people have mapped out the sixteen. Myers-Briggs patterns and the nine Enneagram types. Now I, I'm in this uh, group that specializes in on subtypes, which gives three for each type and it's pretty nuanced. Uh, and it, it, it gives you a lot of flexibility and describes a lot of the lookalike thing, you know, are, are you motivated by fear or control or, you know, it's just, you might act the same way, but you're underneath it, you're driving for something different. So um, every system I ever hear, uh, you know, like I, I work with a therapist who uses internal family systems and I hear about the model and I, I'm always integrating that with Enneagram because Enneagram is really just about thinking, feeling and acting. It's all three based or three times three or three times three times three. It's always that. So um, I can usually correlate any things pretty well it just makes sense it's logical yeah for sure for sure okay last two questions i ask everyone that comes on the show um first thing is what is a great meal you've had in kansas city recently i'll tell you what it is there is a i live near downtown overland park and there is a mediterranean restaurant that moved in right next door to thompson park called hummus and pita and it is the best hummus and the best pita I've ever had. I mean, it's so savory, so fresh. And I, you know, I just can't get enough of it. So that is, that's my go-to. I had a friend who said, oh my gosh, I went to this restaurant right by your house. I go, I know, I go there a lot. It's amazing. So. <laughs> okay. I love me some hummus. So I will be making a trip just for that. I love it. Uh, yes. Okay, last question is, where can people find you? If they're interested in learning more about the Enneagram, they're interested in having you out to their church or their business, how can they get a hold of you? Um, so my name is Jim Gum, J-I-M-G-U-M, and that's my Gmail address. You know, I was the early you know, pioneer to get that address there. But my website, storyenneagram.com, and there's the inquiry form, and you can see everything that I do there. And that's really the best way to get in touch with me. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Always like to talk to people. People are fascinating. So, uh, everybody's got a story and I just love working with people. And, and that's the name of the business was born story Enneagram. Right. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Truly, truly fascinating for me. Um, I know for the listeners as well. So appreciate you being here and guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.